The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space at 3636A North Mississippi Avenue. I'm Molly Jean Bennett. On today's show, we take a look at Portland's Malagro Theater. First, we have a short documentary by Coral Yang. This piece was created during the Media Institute's 2017 summer documentary program for college students. We also have a rebroadcast of our 2015 conversation with Milagro's artistic director, Danielle Milan. And maybe I'm the other you. Correcto. <laughs> Come on, make a silly face. You did it when you thought you were alone. Okay, but it's <laughs> Nice, but look at this. <laughs> we're at Milagro Theater, and as they define themselves, it is the only Latino culture center in the Pacific Northwest. Theater is only a part of what they do. Their work also involves education and multicultural advocacy through art. They're rehearsing Mejita Fritita for the first time of the season, and this is a popular touring play for middle school students. It is also Justin's third day at Milagro. He'll be playing Frida Kahlo's mother, Matilde. I know you think I'm old fashioned, but when I was raised, I learned all about being a woman from my mother. Daniel Malan is the artistic director of Milagro Theater and director of Mejita Fritita as well. She says she had a man play Medilda's role on purpose. It's a really small moment. Comes out and it's not all like dragged out or anything. It's just that he's, he's the mom and come out. So, so all the kids notice it, but they don't get all freaked out about it. They're just like, they accept that. It's, it's acceptable norm to see a man dressed as a woman and not make a big deal about it. That is like women's clothing. In my perception then was women's clothing because now I just kind of view clothing as clothing, like not gender specific. Malan's all about exploding categories and stereotypes. She and her husband, Jose Gonzalez, founded Milagro in 1985 as they moved to Portland. Malan isn't Hispanic herself, but she grew up in San Diego, one of the most diverse cities in the U.S., and spent most of her childhood within the Hispanic community. There's still people who won't accept the fact that I'm not Hispanic. I'm mostly Polish and uh, a little bit Cherokee. I identify myself as, as representing a Latino arts organization. Well, I talk about our family of being Milan Gonzalez, because that's my children. Their last names are Milan Gonzalez. So I guess I went, this is my community and my family that I'm sort of adopted into because I am like so many different cultures. In Milagro, or even just the Mejita Fridita touring troupe, Daniel isn't the only person that has a mixed cultural background. I thought I was broken once too. But what if I'm not? Fight Fridita, fight for it. Mientras que hay vida en ti, hay lucha. Well, I consider myself biracial. I'm always intrigued by notions of identity that don't always fit into certain boxes, and so I consider myself a human first and foremost. This is Ajay Terrazas Tripathi, who wrote and acts in this very play. He was brought up by an Indian father and a Mexican mother, and now he defines himself in a new way. 
It was harder to navigate such complicated identities as a kid. Being a minority in a few different ways, growing up gay, non-Anglo in a place that was highly Anglo, not knowing a lot of people like me, I felt oftentimes very, very isolated in my world. And theater was an avenue for me to not feel isolated. It was where I could make connections, even with people who didn't identify like I did. For myself, art has saved my life in a way. Like, not only changed my life, I honestly think art has saved my life. Now, he tries to help other kids do the same, navigating complicated barriers through art. When I write children's shows, I want them to always be hopeful. It's easy to paint a really bleak picture, you know, in all honesty, but while still being honest, I think our children's programming should offer uh, inspiration and hope. I worked in a summer camp one time doing a theater camp for some of the students there. One of the site managers wrote to us that one of her students is a young girl with autism, and then after taking this theater class, she saw her open up in a way that she never saw before. She said that it was the theater class that helped her break through the barrier. To me, that was really meaningful. One of the shows we are doing next year uh, that'll open in January is called Bi, and Bi actually focuses on those um, intermediary areas. When you have all the census boxes, but you don't know which one to check. Whether it be bisexual, binational, bicultural, biracial. So everybody has some kind of identity, whether they realize it or not. Everyone we ever see has another you and another me. Now, to make these things disappear. Now here's Phil's 2015 interview with Daniela Milan. At the time this conversation was recorded, our show was called The Nonprofit Hour. This is Phil Bussey, and it is the Media Institute for Social Changes, The Nonprofit Hour. And I'm excited to be with Danielle Milan, who is the founding director of Milagro Theatre. And you guys are, you're an interesting organization for many reasons. Um, and, and why don't we start there? I mean, so you are a theater in the traditional sense, but you're also out on the road and doing some educational, uh, presentations for lack of a better word. Well, we, um, Phil, we started our theater in 1985 and, uh, way back then there wasn't a lot of theater in Portland. So we were, uh, actually doing traditional theater. One of our first plays was Relatively Speaking by Alan Ackborn. And, uh, after a few years, our board of directors recommended we try doing Latino theater because we were coming from a Latino background. And so in 1989, we had the first Hispanic cultural festival. And from there, people just came out of the woodwork from all over, actors, poets, dancers. And we suddenly found our niche, this little community of Latinos. And the first thing that happened in 89 was that the teachers from the ESL programs in Hillsboro asked us if we would take the children's programming to their schools because they had never seen anything like that in Oregon, bilingual theater for kids. And it was just such a great educational fit so that while our theater in town, our Milagro Theater was growing. Teatro Milagro became the touring company that started in ESL and then kids who wanted to learn Spanish 
And then from elementary, then the middle schools were asking for a show, and then the high schools were asking for a show, and then the colleges were asking for a show, and then we got calls from Washington and California, and so that is how the national tour launched. And while we still tour nationally, we also have an elementary program and a middle school program and outreach that we do through the LGBTQ community with a sexual health coalition. So we are busy. You have a lot going on. Let's talk about you and your interest in theater. How did that happen? Were you were you hooked when you were in elementary school, when you were a kid, and like you're trying to do for some of these children? Well, I was a painter, actually. Okay. I was following the footsteps of my mom. I was going to be a visual artist and a, and a designer. And uh, one of my professors at the time, Eleanor Atten, asked me if I would be interested in making costumes because I knew how to sew. And then so I did that. And she says, you really have a knack for this theater thing. You should go over to the theater department. So once I crossed that vast campus at UCSD in San Diego, Diego, there was this sort of uh, team spirit that once you left one department and went to another, you suddenly became an expat. <laughs> and so there was no turning back. And so for me, then it was just theater from there on. I worked at the Old Globe Shakespeare Festival. I worked at uh, La Jolla Playhouse. And then I moved to L.A. to go to graduate school. And that's where I met Jose, Jose Gonzalez, uh, who is lived in both places, originally from Texas and Corpus Christi and also in Oregon, who had family here. We came to visit. It was so beautiful and green, not like L.A., all smoggy and crowded. And I said, we, we could make something here. We could be like pioneers. And that it's was said by many Oregonians yes. or, or Oregonians to be. Yes, yes. My parents in San Diego were like, everyone there is just lumberjacks. They all wear plaid and, <laughs> and boots. Danielle, your fashion sense is going to be so upset by the change. But I I agree. I've grown to like Oregon after 30 years. I really feel like an Oregonian. And, and now I, too, can criticize those Californians that don't like the rain. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I think it's really interesting. So you grew up in the San Diego area. Yes. And so, uh, I mean, obviously a, a huge uh, interplay uh, with, with Mexico and Mexican culture there. Uh, how, what, what part of your life was that when you were growing up? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, there you don't think about diversity. You're just in a diverse environment. It's not till you leave the diversity of a place like San Diego and you come to a place like Oregon where suddenly you see, oh, it's a minority uh, as opposed to, well, that is changing though. I mean, 30 years, it's changed a lot. Now in Oregon schools, one in five children are Latino. Not a majority, but still it's growing and it's growing pretty fast. So they say by 2020 that that will take an even greater shift and Spanish is becoming the second most common language spoken in the United States. And I, and I think also culturally, and, and correct me if this is incorrect, but I, this is now second, third generation Latino families. Uh, you know, many that came up here is, uh, in the 50s and 60s. 
to work uh, uh, apple orchards or to work around the Woodburn area. And now our second, third generation, which is a very different relationship to an area. Exactly. And ironically, we find now in some of our workshops and performances in colleges that students are saying, well, I don't speak Spanish or I don't know very much Spanish because my parents wanted me to learn English. The emphasis was on learning English. And there's almost like a returning to the culture when they're able to see one of our bilingual performances or be, or be in one of our workshops. They're like, wow, I really need to learn Spanish. I'm a Latino. I need to learn Spanish. So that's kind of an exciting and responsible part that I feel with my education program is preserving culture, sharing culture, preserving culture, retaining cultural pride and stealing pride. So a lot of the plays that we take to uh, the educational plays focus on those issues of maintaining uh, culture. This is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm Phil Bussey, and I am talking with Danielle Milan from Milagro Theater. Uh, she's the founding director. This is your 30th anniversary. Yes, and are beginning our 31st season. So Jose and I, we've been working away quite a long time in the world of theater. We've seen, sadly, theaters come and go. The Civic Theater in, in downtown Portland was an icon for 50 years, and now it's a parking lot that some of the new theater people didn't even know existed. And so we're like, we're not going to become a parking lot. We will not. <laughs> that is a great model for any any nonprofit or any business, isn't it? Yes. Unless, of course, you are in the parking lot business. Yes. Yeah, so maybe you want more parking on your roof because parking is getting limited in the Portland area. <laughs> Over the 30 years, or I guess it's been more 25, 26, that the focus has really been on uh, Latino culture. But over, over that, that time frame, have the themes uh, that, that have been in the scripts that have been presented to you, have those changed? What are you, what are you seeing as far as themes that are, are current? Uh, we definitely touch a lot on immigration. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely comes down the road that a lot of things that are hot-button issues will come up in playwrights' work or topics of conversation. But it's not always politics. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's universal. We, have, we just had our uh, International Women's Day, and oftentimes the themes are themes that everybody cares about. So I think that's very important with some of the work we do, especially in schools. Um, the play American Night uh, that we're going to be doing is a, a play, for example, that is about the rewriting of American history, not just from the Latino perspective, but the idea of that, that as a nation, we can just change history if we want to. That's, that's kind of absurd. And yet those stories that remain untold in some of our old history books are really important to share. So not just the Latino, but the Native American voice. So a lot of the plays I've done have, have touched on Native American issues, indigenous issues, women's rights, um, kind of all around the spectrum. I find that, I mean, I think most people, they have certainly right now and the last few years have uh, their vision of what Portland is, whether that's from Portlandia or it's from, from living here. And those two things are not necessarily too divergent at times. And it's... Uh, hipster coffee shops and indie musicians. I would think that with Milagro Theater, you are 
probably seen a Portland that is maybe not the what the mainstream or the main viewpoint of, of Portland is. I think that you landed on it when you said hipsters, because I, I, what comes to mind is just around the corner from your studio here with Alberta Street and Mississippi Street, all the taquerias, there's a Peruvian restaurant on Mississippi, uh, just the culture of... Latinos is so popular because it's warm, it's inviting, it it uh, brings to mind warmer territory and louder festivals and fun. So I think, I believe it's uh, last Thursday on Alberta Street, for example, lots of multiculturalism, uh, several Mexican restaurants, all within blocks of each other. And I think that explosion of Alberta Street is really kind of heading out the whole east side. Um, all around the neighborhoods, you see taquerias, food carts, restaurants, and uh, little uh, cantinas and little grocery stores where you can find, you know, all the wonderful things that make your life spicier. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm wondering how that plays into uh, the audiences at Milagro Theater. Um, you know, you've said that you're working with scripts uh, th- that are coming from a national network of Latino and Latina writers. Uh, you're working with a core group of, of actors and actresses here. What's the demographic of the audience? The audience is very widespread. And I, and I, I should just jump in here because we're both talking about the audience at the actual theater uh, as opposed to the audience when you're going out into the schools. That's also similar but different. So let me explain a little bit is that at our theater, we do bring student groups. We get quite a lot of college groups coming who are studying Spanish. And as I mentioned earlier, the growing desire to learn Spanish being the number two language in the country that more and more people are studying Spanish, and not just kids, but adults. Um, Latin America, Mexico, uh, Puerto Vallarta, there's a growing, growing, what they call snowbird population in Portland that uh, I'd say December through February, they're uh, at their timeshares in uh, Puerto Vallarta and before leaving, they usually flock, those snowbirds flock to the theater in September when we have our Luna Nueva Festival of uh, new works. Uh, we bring uh, acts of flamenco dance and all sorts of different entertainment. This coming year, it's going to be a children's theater festival. So uh, the snowbirds come, they practice their Spanish, and then off to Mexico. So uh, that's a really nice uh, audience that's grown over the years. So in addition to the snowbirds, another big demographic is the hipsters, because all those people that go to food carts and eat tacos, sooner or later, they also want to embrace the culture on a, on a deeper level beyond tacos and enchiladas. And uh, so we're really working really hard to grow the younger demographic, because um, my example of the civic theater earlier was that Theater can be very uh, institutional and feel like, oh, you're going to the museum or you're going to the ballet. We want to keep our theater relevant so that 
young people want to come. So we've worked very hard to grow the young audience and see the value of theater, uh, that it's engaging, it's fun, it's not like going to a movie, it's so immediate and in your face and it's exciting and different. And so that's how it ties back into the tour and the presentations we do in colleges because either the college students are coming to us or we're going to them and fostering that all the way down to the elementary school level. I have people come to the theater and come up to me and they'll be like, I remember when you performed at my middle school 10 years ago and I saw you in a play and then here I am. Now here I am. I'm an audience member. I'm a theater goer. So so those are the moments where you feel that all that work of 30 years really had some value when people come up to you and they were like, when I was a kid, I remember you. <laughs> Which is which is wonderful. I mean, the role that 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 Milagro Theater is playing in 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 both entertainment and in cultural education is just it's it's really it's incredibly expansive, and it's very exciting. And I, I, I and I think one one of the examples uh, we we're going to play a song from a recent production. You had uh, "Tell Me Coyote." Yes, "Cuénteme Coyote," which in English is "Tell Me Coyote." Uh, is a, was a play I wrote after going and doing research in Arizona about two cousins crossing the border through Arizona. And it's a tragic play which begins with a scene in a malquiladore, which is a sewing factory where you have often heard of the women being abused. And so we had a young man uh, with a group. It's called March 5, and he composed uh, this song for our show. Uh, which sets the tone for the beginning of the play, which is a very uh, serious play, but does have light moments that engage uh, Native American folk tales about the coyote, who is a trickster. And and you know and the, what you were saying about before is that the it is really engaging for younger demographic and and certainly I think you'll hear that in this in the song and in the music that you that you've chosen for your plays. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. We're going to take a quick music break. I'm talking with Danielle Milan from Milago Theater, and this is a song from their recent production of Tell Me Coyote or Cuénteme Coyote. Puesto a pensar y preguntar alguna vez a dónde voy, de dónde vengo. Brown dust covers the city with a pity that I can't stay here. Cause La Patria trying to get me perdido, not knowing. Pasado still showing all the scars of cop on my trek to big money flowing. Pero nunca voy a ver esos dólares. Se quedan en manos de nuestros opresores. Corporate businessmen taking all the fame and the riches. While our madres are the ones cooking the food in the kitchen and taking care of the children. But guess what? I'm so living. Voy a la marcha protestar. Better wages for living. And since I don't have papers, I don't trust no one. Mi tía de rodillas praying. Under the sun, we shed blood, sweat, tears, still do not seem set, and drink too much sometimes, so we get numb and forget. But I bet que un día todo esto cambiará. Algo de nada, toda la vida a luchar. A donde voy, de donde vengo, mi identidad perdida, miro en el espejo. This is Phil Bussey, it's the Nonprofit Hour. I am talking with the founding director of Milagro Theater, Danielle Milan, 
And you guys have such a body of work that you've done, the number of plays, the amount of education, uh, outreach that you do. Um, I want to – we've talked more about some of the stage productions. Let's talk a little bit more in depth about uh, what exactly are Ismalago Theatre doing in the, the public schools and, and how does that work? Well, um in the public schools, as you probably know, for quite some time, uh, long before the recession, arts were something that were being cut back quite a bit. And uh, we saw a void that needed to be filled. So oftentimes through grant writing, we are able to secure funding for free arts activities or low-cost arts activities. And so our touring shows for schools and our residencies are very low cost or sometimes even free. And, um, of course, those funders want to hear the hard numbers, though. They like the nice, fuzzy stories, the wonderful um, quantitative, qualitative stories, um, but they want the numbers. And it's very hard to find statistics on arts learning so this last year, I started a case study on bilingual arts integration, uh, starting with a school out in Hillsboro, Evergreen Middle School, working for a year with the kids doing pre-testing and post-testing for reading and measuring the difference in how much more they could read and their comprehension. And on the average, we are running about 47% increased higher learning comprehension in these schools where we are able to use the arts to teach subjects like history and language arts using arts integration. The reception from from the the uh, school kids that you're working with has to be remarkable. I mean, that when the theater company comes to school, it just it has to feel, in some ways, like recess. It is really exciting to see kids' faces light light up. And uh, one of the programs we have, which is a literacy based program, uh, a play we were doing about Don Quixote, set in a library getting kids excited about reading. The um, book van had come. Every day they would come and bring free books for the kids, and hardly any kids would go and get the books. And the kids were watching our play, Aventuras de Don Quixote, where uh, he really, you see Don Quixote and why books are so important to him. And at the end of the play, all 60 kids got up, ran to the book table, and took all the books, and the guy said he had never seen that before. That, that's, I mean, that's so, that has to be very rewarding to see. Uh, this is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. Uh, it is my pleasure to be talking with Danielle Milan from Milagro Theater and talking about uh, the theater productions that they put on at their theater, but also the, the educational outreach that they do uh, at schools throughout the, the greater Portland metropolitan area. Um, Danielle, I just, we're, we're going to wrap up our conversation, but I, I, I want to talk about, because this is the nonprofit hour, uh, something that you just sort of tangentially touched on, but funding. Uh, as a nonprofit, it is obviously it's it's wonderful to have something uh, that you can sell and you have ticket sales and that 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 brings in a certain amount of revenue. Um, but as well, you're talking about 
uh, you receive funding to do these educational programs. Where where's where's your funding coming from in terms of is this grants? Is this contracts with the school? It's a combination. We definitely, as theater people, have to use our own creative thinking as well. And uh, our, we have a board of directors and uh, a staff that are always working on every possible uh, revenue stream ticket sales and as you mentioned contract service so some of the schools are you know pay for these programs obviously um, and some of that funding uh, for the school assemblies comes through a, a local program called uh, young audiences run for the arts so not just uh, funding that we raise but also working with networks like young audiences on the grant level we um, get funding from the National Endowment for the Arts we get funding from the Oregon Arts Commission. Uh, we get uh, corporate funding. Uh, the Wan Young Trust is one of our supporters. We have um, independent companies. Uh, Ronnie LeCrute, Willie Kinsey Vineyards is one of our wonderful sponsors. Um, and uh, also... Um, Smaller foundations like the Carpenter Foundation. The, the list is is quite long. I, I would be here for probably half an hour, uh, and I I know that I would leave people out, and I don't want to do that. But uh, also on the individual level, individual donors are extremely important. We have a name a seat campaign where people can have their name on a plaque on a seat. We also have some hand-painted tiles in our lobby where people uh, can have an, an image painted on a tile with their name to, to commemorate that. And that goes on the wall. And then there's individual donors through organizations. Uh, we have events like our Viva Milagro dinner in the fall, a wonderful Mexican dinner that celebrates Day of the Dead. And uh, for just a very small amount, people have a wonderful dinner and entertainment that's probably less than they, what they would spend uh, going out in, in a local restaurant. Danielle Milan, uh, we're so happy that you came to join us in the studio. And, and Portland uh, and, and the greater Portland area is so very lucky to have Milagro Theater. Congratulations on 30 years. Thank you so much, Phil. We're going to close out with a song. Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change in KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is Molly Jean Bennett. Emily Curtis is our associate producer. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where our handle is Nonprofit Hour. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to molly at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers! <laughs>